Shopping for a new or used car in the Treasure Valley doesn't have to be hard, and it doesn't even have to be in person. At Volkswagen of Boise, you can stop by and look at the inventory, chat with the friendly sales team, and kick the tires if that's your jam. Or if you're more of the online type, check out what they have to offer at www.volkswagenofboise.com. The great thing about Volkswagen of Boise is that they're a non-commissioned team, so there's no pressure at all. Also, they have a ridiculously hilarious social media feed, so even if you aren't in need of a car right now, follow along just for fun. You know you can trust Volkswagen of Boise, as they are the main sponsor of the Boise Bubble podcast, which would indicate they have some extremely intelligent people making the decisions over there. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Welcome back to the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Um, we're here this morning at the Unbound Library with Nick Grove, the director of the Meridian Library District. Good morning, Nick. Good morning. And of course, we're here with Natalie, too. Hello. Yes. Um, we're excited to talk to you a little bit today, Nick, about some of the hubbub and some of the concerns that have been raised in the community recently over specific issues of what's carried in the library. So thanks a lot for spending some of your time to kind of help us to talk through um, the situation. Sometimes there's a lot of misinformation out there and we want to get good information out there. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me and I'm happy to explain what's going on and provide some context um, with the issues. Yeah. So uh, give everybody a quick introduction for you. What do you do as the director of the library? Well, I've only been in this position for seven months now. So mm. uh, I'm not entirely positive because I've had some <laughs> um, chaos surrounding my entire tenure. Of, You've of being only the been director. for seven months and this is what... I knew what I was stepping into, but by my second week, um, we had to do a special board meeting to replace uh, two vacated seats on our uh, board of trustees. Mm. Um, and then uh, the the following week, we had um, the online controversy of um, this pop-up uh, with what materials are in the Meridian Library. Mm-hmm. And uh, at my first official monthly board meeting in August, we had over 200 people show up uh, for the, the board meeting. I had no idea that you were so new to this position because, I mean, I'm, I'm watching this and we've spoken at some things together and it's like, yeah, you, you're handling it like a champ. So good job on that. <laughs> Man, thrown into the fire for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you. Nick. <laughs> Thank you. You're going to do great. <laughs> you need a raise. Um, Once we get um, past all of these issues and get back to normal um, library activities, you know, yeah. this will... This will be the the rough patch, and then yeah. So assuming that we're on the other side of chaos, yeah. what does your job look like? Yeah. So my job as library director is to oversee all of the operations and facilities of the Meridian Library District. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have our Cherry Lane Library that opened in uh, 1997. Uh, we have our Silverstone branch, and uh, on Eagle and Overland, mm-hmm. we have Unbound, which is in Meridian downtown, serving the business and technology needs of the community. Mm-hmm. We have our tiny library, which is an early learning library in a, a shipping container out at the South Y. Um, in a of, shipping container. It's That's so cool. cool. It's, it's so really fun. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't hold a lot of people, but it, it's a really uh, interesting uh, concept. And then we're going to be opening in May our Orchard Park branch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is our 16,000 square foot building on Chinden and Linder. 
That's a lot really of reach. Excited. Yeah. That's that, a great that's one's going to be so amazing. We're so, the whole community is so excited about that one. Um, it's just, and watching it like come into fruition, I'm like, this is next level. And uh, it's, uh, so it's, you have so much just in what, in your growth and then all this other extra bonus stuff on the side that we're seeing. And I, our, 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 what we are doing, sorry, is we are handling the issues, but we are also continuing to do everything that we've been doing and want to do um, with and for our community. Mm-hmm. And so that means, you know, s- serving everyone who comes through our doors and finding ways that we can meet the needs of our community in new and unique ways. Our library is very well known for doing things differently um, to solve uh, the community's problems, to mm-hmm. solve the community's needs and meeting the community where they are and not always making them come to us, um, trying innovative ideas. Um, finding new partners, so yeah. it's, it's great. And this I, is nationally seen too. I remember a couple of years ago mm-hmm. going to the, like that celebration because you know the librarians had been in Washington D.C. receiving you know accolades for for what they've done, and it was so cool to see Meridian, Idaho, on on this national map of just how how amazing our libraries are at actually fitting the needs of our community. It was so cool. We since we've been here, we've been here about twelve years now, um, coming up on on thirteen, and. You know, a lot of our history is with the Cherry Lane location. It's an awesome library. It's great. It's it's a more traditional library. But when you're talking about innovative ways to solve community needs, I did. It didn't click for me until I came here to Unbound. What was the event that that we met at a few months back? Um, City of Stories. Were the City of Stories. Both Nick and I spoke at that. It took me a little bit for to wrap my mind around the idea. Wait, you can have 3D printing. Oh wait, you can have a podcast studio. Wait, there's a need in the in the community for these things beyond just books, mm-hmm. and this is a great facility to, I guess, kind of show that. Yeah, it it is an amazing opportunity for us to showcase what libraries can do. Mm-hmm. It's not only about books. Libraries are about providing access to information and entertainment, regardless of the format. Traditionally, right. that had been books, but. Now that we have ebooks, we have magazines, we have computers, we have the internet, we have access to equipment that you wouldn't necessarily need to buy a $10,000 3D printer for yourself, mm-hmm. but having access to it to do one project is, is a great thing for the community. That's so. incredible. Yeah. Well, I know that we're here to discuss a, a specific issues. Um, Natalie, give us a rundown of where we're at. Well, you know, I, I do some stuff with the community, and obviously there is something going on with um, a group that has some problems with the library. And I think, Nick, you'd probably be better to kind of just explain um, in layman's terms what's happening and, and where we're at now. Yes. So the Ada County commissioners uh, received a petition signed by 93 uh, registered voters in uh, Meridian Library District's boundaries. That petition is to dissolve the Meridian Library District. That means that if that were to go to a ballot and get passed by 50% plus one, then the Meridian Library District as a whole would go away. That means no libraries in Meridian. All of our assets and all of our property um, would go to the county to be liquidated. Um, I've heard the Petitioners say that they don't want to get rid of the library. They would just start over. Well, to do that, they would have to start from scratch based on Idaho law. Um, it's it's very 
clear what would happen um, in that situation. Hmm. So they would want to start over the the entire library district, every single thing, of basically starting from scratch to curate it based on their standards or their ideas. Correct. Okay. So, so does the library? Uh, what jurisdiction does the library fall under? It's a public entity mm-hmm. um, under the city. It is not. So. In Idaho, uh, there's two different types of public libraries. There are city public libraries, and those are a department or a division of a city government entity. Um, Then there are also district libraries, um, which are their own taxing district, um, and uh, they are, um, in in all intents and purposes, a political subdivision of the state. Um, meaning that they are their own taxing district, meaning they have an elected board that um, serves as the community oversight entity. Hmm. Okay. And those trustees um, are elected to six-year terms, um, and we have five trustees. We have two that are up for election in May to um, take to fill the uh, one six-year term and then one to fill... Uh, a vacated seat that has four years left on it. Hmm. Okay. So one of the things I'm hearing that it maybe is confusing to some people is that this is not a call for new leadership. This because that you explained to me a little bit before that that's already happening. That's that's what we vote on. Correct. This is this is that they don't want that to happen. Just to, to dissolve everything. Correct. Dissolve everything and start from scratch. Yes. Okay. And then Which building anything from scratch these days sounds challenging. It's not. I mean, we're going through a capital project to build our Orchard Park branch um, and then working on our South branch, just building a, a building that has already, you know, been passed by the voters is, is difficult just because of the climate um, in terms of what's available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's kind of chase it back to the issues. Um, a call for dissolving the library is based on what? What are some of the concerns for these pe- for these petitioners? So... They, they listed a few different things in the, their petition. Um, one of them um, was financial transparency, which if you go to our website, we have all of our um, completed audits. We have our budget narratives that have been completed. We have the budget that we are currently in um, for our fiscal year. And every year we have a budget hearing for the community to come in and provide feedback on um, any amended budget for the current fiscal year and then to um, approve the budget for the next fiscal year. And so, all this is available easily online to me, yep. you, anybody? Anything that is, um, you'd like is on the, the website. Okay. Other issues? Uh, the other issues, they don't like uh, the books that are in our library. Um, and um, I'll talk about that more in a second. And then uh, they're also upset that uh, the board has taken the public comment period of our meetings off of the agenda uh, for our board meetings. Um, They believe that that is um, not allowed. However, Idaho code clearly states that a public comment period is not required. Um, We had, the board had to remove that because the people that don't agree with um, how we serve our community are unable to act with decorum um, in our meetings. Mm. You know, they they come in, they yell, they scream, they interrupt, uh, they don't stick to their time limits, they don't stick um, to basic 
rules of civility in a public space. Okay. And, you know, they, they also, you know, personally attack, you know, defame. Uh, yeah, you know, we have so, seen that in the news that you they have you've gone through a lot. You know, uh, I, can I, had only... to, I had to keep my kids out of my house for uh, three days because there was, you know, threats of people coming to my house to um, lead a demonstration. Mm. I call this pitchfork activity. Um, when somebody, instead of wanting to come into a place of um, communication and listening, they just grab their pitchforks and they're making um, a lot of noise. Where, you know, in that instance, that makes sense. You're, you're not going to get any progress done if you're just surrounded by that kind of um, activity. Um, you're saying it very nicely, I will say. Um, as someone who's witnessed what's happened at some of these meetings, um, you're, you're being very kind, I would, I would say. Yeah, we both have been to similar meetings, mm-hmm. uh, even on an HOA level. Remember once upon a time when they were going to build uh, the first round of apartments close yeah. to our subdivision? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could not believe the level of ferocity that these people came with and the misinformation, too. Um it was very unbecoming. So I kind of get to, you know, how you get to a decision like that to say, hey, if you guys can't behave, then we're not going to give you a forum to speak up. We'll have to give it to you some other way. And we do, what is the alternative? The, the alternative is uh, we have on our website uh, the ability to send a message to the board. Um, if you go to our website, you go to find the board. There's an uh, option there to send them a message. Um, that goes directly to their emails, and you can communicate to them um, about an issue, and uh, they'll be able to see that and, mm. and take right. that into consideration. Okay, so um, let's get back to the to the. I think the reason most people are probably listening is what is the what is the situation with the books that people are not happy with with the library? Yeah, so a lot of the content that they oppose mm-hmm. are books that have LGBTQ plus um, authors or characters or both. Okay. Um, And they categorize that as sexual um, in nature, even when the book is only about who that person identifies as. Um, There are some graphic novels that they've used as their main tools of demonstration Mm -hmm. um, to say that they are pornographic or obscene. However, those do not qualify as pornographic. Those are not obscene. Those words have very defined meaning in law. Um, only a court can decide if something is obscene. Okay. Not someone yelling at the top of their lungs that it's obscene to them. That <laughs> obscene has a very defined legal term. So can I ask a, a back-of-house question? Yeah. How do you vet the books What's it, what's the process for reviewing a book and determining, hey, yes, this is meets the criteria and it's safe and it's good and it's a good idea to add it and this one needs to be filtered out? So there's a, a few different ways. Um, one of the um, primary tools that we use is our trade publications, um, watching what's coming out from the different publishers um, and re- also when we get a request from a patron, we purchase, I don't know the exact number, but I believe when a patron puts in a request on our website, we purchase somewhere near 85% of the requests that um, are, are com- that come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to give some like context in, in numbers, our collection in print materials alone is 152,000 items. Wow. Um, and it's about to grow by quite a bit by ordering... Uh, 
adding in Orchard Park. So would you say that the vetting process is thorough then? I mean, because I'm still a little bit unclear. I mean, for someone who has concerns, like I got to put myself in their position. Mm-hmm. And just I guess think, what would be the concerns, though? Because like so we, so we, we concerns don't read are every book. It's imp- impossible for us to read every single book cover mm-hmm. to cover. Um, that is why we do have a request for reconsideration process. So if um, something does not meet um, the needs of our community, mm-hmm. they are able to submit a request to um, remove a book or have it moved to a different section of the, the library. Okay, so there is a specific process that if I come across something that, that I think, hey, this feels like it's out of line, mm-hmm. I can make a request and it will be considered. Correct. And at that point, we do read through the material um, and review it. Um, and we look at it not in an individual passage, but as a, an entire work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the piece that a lot of people get wrong, Yeah, is what is this in its entirety? What is the totality of this body of work? Not what is this one page say, or what does this one page show? That is not the definition of those words um, when you're saying pornographic or obscene. You you said that a lot of these books are um, around the theme of LGBTQ plus um, uh, uh, gender identity. Um, Is that the trend or are there others beyond that? Like, is that the root issue that we're talking about? Surely we're not just talking about those characters. I mean, no one's going to say you can't have those characters in books. They had Captain Underpants on their list and it was because there was a gay character. But I don't. So I sorry. I I just need to clarify just. Are, are, is this group saying that they don't want representation of an enormous part of our community to even have a presence as our library? Like, I, I'm that I, I that can't be the case because that's the library is about giving a voice to people yeah, and giving the, people a safe place to. Some sometimes they have explicitly said that, and others, um, it is um, what is coming across in the items that they have chosen to. Um, rally against. Um, so it almost every single title that has come across um, has had LGBT, LGBTQ plus um, characters um, and or people of color. Um, we've had a few of those come through as well, um, saying that it was um, uh, someone's lived experience um, did not um, meet what they, how they see the world. Like okay. I'm trying to stay <laughs> so a objective lot of the- and calm about this, but I'm I'm really just fascinated that that it's boiled down to such a basic issue of non heterosexual non heterosexual orientation that that is still su- such a thing of fear. Well, and such a fear, <laughs> it's such or a thing of fear of color too. I mean, well, and that 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 we don't want them to be represented. In, in a place of, of our community, how is somebody feeling? How does somebody come across and feel like this is an okay expectation? My reality is, um, you know, I'm straight and I'm monogamous and I identify with my gender and all that. So thus that must be true and thus that must be true for everyone and thus that must be what is shown only in library materials. Mm-hmm. That is not, that's just not okay. That's not what kind, inclusive community members feel towards the rest of the community. 
I guess I always think if you flip it over to the other side and I'm in the group that all of a sudden I want my perspectives to be seen and considered or at least just represented, um, but somebody's trying to keep that down, I don't think that they would agree to that if the tables were turned towards well, obviously them. They're, because I cannot comprehend where this is coming from. What is the fear? Like, what is the fear that this is stemming from? So maybe to back up and to answer that question at the same time a little bit, is the organizers of this have used fear to rally support for their cause. Um, so a lot of the newcomers to this movement that they are trying to um, grow might only be reacting to the fear that they have been shown mm-hmm. um, and reacting to misinformation or um misguided information in terms of not knowing the entirety of um, a situation. <laughs> a lot of times, you know, the, the these people that disagree and are trying to get rid of the, the books or trying to, in our case, get rid of our entire library, um, say we're not trying to ban or censor books. But when you put a book behind the counter and have to show ID, that is the definition of censoring who has access to that material. So their suggestion is that anything that um, I find offensive needs to be behind a counter and you have to show an ID and prove that you're 18 in order to access this. Um, That is not only censorship, it is also illegal. It's been tried in court cases for 60 years. It is not legal. So the premise, the unspoken premise is that these books are dangerous to people that are under 18 that the ideas that are in these books are so volatile that we have to control access to them. Correct. And the okay. ideas of that basically these different ideas exist at all. Correct. Okay. Mm. So the misinformation that's out there that's maybe perpetuating fear, because I, I did a recent little experiment to kind of see uh, how people were um, reacting, is that the conversations are now leading that there is literal pornographic um, material in the children's section where there are sexual acts being displayed very graphically, including masturbation, um, in the children's library accessible to everyone. Um, if somebody came to you and, and asked you about that, what would be your, your thought on that? The, the books that they typically say that about are adult graphic novels shelved in the adult graphic novel section. Okay. Okay. They, our items are shelved where they are meeting the needs of the age groups with which they represent. Okay. So could you say if I was a new mom and I was like, hey, I'm thinking of coming to the library. If my child who's six is walking around the children's library and I'm reading a book in the corner, not paying you know attention to everything that she's bringing down, is there a chance in the children's library my six-year-old's going to pull down a book and see graphic, sexual, explicit photos or images in the library? No. Okay. Categorically that, false. Correct. That, I mean, this is this is something that is being is being told quite a bit. So I would I I would consider we, we that misinformation. We do have uh, some books um, on a top shelf in the in our Cherry Lane location in the parent and teacher section. Mm-hmm. That is for parents and teachers to be able to. Um, use as educational tools to talk to their children um, about um, their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are there for educational 
tools for parents and teachers. Which uh, I think, thank goodness there are. Yeah, I think that a lot of this. parents don't feel equipped to have those conversations. So to have a resource for them, that's good. But you're saying that it's in a specific place, specifically categorized. Correct. It's it's labeled. Um, any of those types of books that are in our children's areas are labeled for parent and teacher. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of them is to be used as a tool with an adult. Okay. And we have a resource. I gave you both a copy mm-hmm. of it. Um, it's on our website. It's our um, parent and uh, caregiver's guide. Mm-hmm. And if anyone has concerns about how to navigate the library, um, we have this document to help people be able to safely and um, easily use our library system. Um, and part of that is if you have questions or concerns, our staff are more than happy to help um, you find what meets your family needs um, because every family is different. Mm-hmm. Every person's lived experience is different. It's not black and white. It's, as we were talking um, before we got on, it's complex, it's gray. Um, and we can't only have things that meet one person's or one loud group expectations of what is to be represented in our library. Um, We have a community of not 93 people. We have a community of 126,000 people and growing, um, 53,000 of which have a library card. Hmm. We had over 300,000 visits to our library last year, or almost 300,000. It's our library in Meridian is now in its 99th year. Our community has successfully used a library without problem for 99 years with the exact same model. Mm. So I, this seems like a very basic question, but um, we talk about the mission. What is a library's purpose for our community? What, what is a library meant to give our community? It's to enrich the lives of our community members and to provide resources for education and entertainment and to better their lives through the access of materials and access to services and resources um, that they um, need or want. We love connecting people. Um, That's one of the biggest things that we do. um, That, you know, if we were to be dissolved as a library district, you know, going into the senior care facilities, going into the daycares, going into the schools, having events uh, with the Parks and Rec Department, having events with the the Chamber of Commerce, providing, you know, I think we had, uh, I want to say, uh, over 1,000 3D prints that we we did last um, year. Those things would go away for our community. Our community sees our value and uses us in so many different ways, you know, not just the, the books that people check out, you know, we have computers available for the public to come in and use. We have story times. We have business classes. We have, you know, fun teen experiences. We connect people with resources and activities that they want and need. I love all that. And I think what I would add in addition of what I've seen is that in my experience, and I know other people's experiences, the library is also a place where it's a window into other people's ideas that challenge you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a way to see through history that one these ideas maybe that you're thinking aren't new, but that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. So much despair is found when you feel alone in the person who you who you are. When you feel like you're in 
a family or a school or a group where you are the only one who feels the way you do, who thinks about the world that way or, or thinks about your gender that way or thinks about your religion, your sexuality. And for me, I know um, going into the library w- allowed me to see that I was so far from alone, to see myself represented in books and in, and in ideas. And I was so empowered that even though I felt small and alone, I was not. And so for me, the library is, yes, 3D printing and yes, all these services, those are amazing. And oh my gosh, like how tragic if they went away. But the thought that there isn't just a place where you can walk in that's like almost this temple of community of like whoever you are is okay and is right and is valid. And there's a book in here that's going to show you that. And you're going to find yourself in those pages. And for someone, for a group to say, we're going to dissolve the library and we're going to start from scratch so that only our lens and only our view is represented is one of the most tragic things I I can imagine. Um, And I think from what I'm seeing, the rest, most mass majority of of the community feels this way. And so I'd love to chat a little bit about what the community can do to show their support in a way that truly benefits the library. Yes, I've been hearing and feeling the, the community support as well. And I just wanted to comment real quick, the, the type of messaging that you just said is um, summed up typically in windows and mirrors, the window into other people's lives and a mirror to reflect your own experiences. And it, it is very, very important that we do that. And to answer your question, what can the community do? What can um, they do to support the library? The next step for the petition is that the commissioners will have a hearing date. At that hearing date, the library will be able to present, uh, the petitioners will be able to present. Also, the community will be able to weigh in and give their thoughts and feedback. Um, and the, the purpose of the hearing is to um, allow the, the county commissioners the decision to put or not put the, a ballot measure out for the voters to decide whether to dissolve or not dissolve the the library. Um, If they do choose to uh, move forward with putting it on the ballot, the next step would be for uh, the voters in the Meridian Library District to um, choose whether or not uh, to continue with the service that we've provided for 99 years um, or to um, cave to the the fear and um, mistrust and and hate that is propagated elsewhere. So the first step is decide whether or not to even put it on the ballot. Correct. Second step is if it does go forward, then the vote. Correct. Okay. Okay. Uh, What is the date for the initial hearing? I have not heard an official date yet. Um, As soon as they have that, um, we'll make sure that we post it um, and share it. Um, In the meantime, I would encourage the the public to reach out to the Ada County commissioners. Uh, There's three of them. Um, you know, you can reach out, um, send them an email, send them a comment card, let them know how much you value access to the library and having diverse material available and respected. We are not, as uh, some of the petitioners have said, indoctrinating. Indoctrination is where you take somebody and force them to believe something. 
we simply allow people to make choices for themselves and for their families. Um, and we make available items that bring value to people in our community. That does not mean that every item that we have brings value to me personally. I don't read every book that is in our library. I don't, my children don't check out books that aren't, that don't meet their needs, that aren't appropriate for them for one reason or another. But I, I take my time with my children to talk about those things and explain to them what is appropriate for them at their age, what is, you know, what, what do we value as a family? And if it doesn't meet those, then we move on to the next thing. And we have those conversations openly and candidly um, about how to navigate this world, not just the library. Um, and it's important as a parent to have that responsibility um, and to maintain your rights as a parent to make choices for your family mm-hmm. and not to have someone else tell you how to parent. Choices, what sticks out to me is it's like a menu of options. And I'm the first to say not all, I, not all ideas are good ideas, but to take those ideas off the menu for consideration feels like we're taking away choice and limiting people's choice just doesn't feel like the right move. It feels like we have a certain level of personal responsibility to, if we've got, got some current, uh, some concerns about what our kids are reading, I think that we should talk to them about those things. And that happens on an indi- on an individual level rather than a legislative level. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea of that choice being taken away no. from me. No, and as my library experiences growing up, I had similar experiences of using the library as a child. I was uh, a voracious reader. Uh, School was great, but I didn't learn a lot. Um, And so I used books to expand my education, to satiate my need for learning unique things. And if I had been told, well, you can't read this because it's, you know, not appropriate, I would have had a very difficult childhood because my experiences were not reflected in my community and I didn't have the words or the tools to be able to understand some of the the differences that I experienced. And I used books to help me formulate ways of being able to talk to my friends, my family, my community about my experiences with words that didn't come out in frustration, that didn't come out in um, ways of confusion. I was able to articulate what I was going through because I had access to books. I mean, I, I also used them, like I said, for education. I was reading, you know, at a 12th, 12th grade level at a, such an early age, like fourth grade, that I needed access to things that challenged me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the content might have been socially harder to accept at, at early ages, but I had the ability to understand it because of where I was at. My individual journey was different than my classmates, you know. And so trying to make one size fits all is just unreasonable and it's not it's not a good way for us to raise a community. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I I love that. I um I like it's not a reasonable expectation and it's not a reasonable expectation for a parent to believe that um they have uh, they have the right to remove information from another child because they don't want it for their child. Um, you know, I, 
I don't want anyone to try to keep my children from seeing the world as it is because um, that's how we become empathetic or uh, that's how we show empathy to people around us. We have to be exposed to this. And um, I'm I'm so grateful. Um, this this whole thing is is very disheartening. At the same time, I have been so inspired by what I've heard spoken um, from the community. Um, it's allowed conversations that I think will move, honestly, I think will move us in a positive direction because what we're realizing is that there's a dichotomy where we have people who want to control the narrative and people who want to be inclusive to everyone in our community. And I think the massive direction is that we have good, kind, loving people who don't always agree, but agree, agree that our community should be diverse. And I'm loving that message. And I've been very inspired by, by what's happening. Um, and so I would invite the community um, moving forward to start thinking, what has the library done for you? What has the library offered your family? Um, what changes has that made for you in the good? What are you looking forward to with all the changes? And really start thinking about that and really start um, writing it down and be prepared. I would say be prepared to speak on behalf of the library, even if you have no intention of it actually happening. Have that messaging part of who you are so that we can we can move this forward in a direction where at the other side of this, we're going to have a clear direction of, of what we want to be as a community. And all those kids who are feeling alone and feeling like they don't have a support system on the other side of this, we'll have a better direction to, to say, hey, guess what? You are okay. You are invited here. You are safe and valid exactly as you are. And the library is just one place um, that will be indication of that. And just to kind of tack on to what you said, don't just consider the, the way that the library has benefited you, but consider what happens if it goes away, which feels like such a baby with a bathwater scenario. But what does that, how does that impact your family? And then as you're waiting for someone else to think of a better idea, I, I just think that feels a little unrealistic. When was the last time that you saw like a new entity start up quickly and effectively? I feel, I feel like we should probably invest in this system than starting a new one completely. And there are state laws that govern how these items work in terms of dissolution or starting um, a new entity. Some of the things that they wrote in the petition are not legally um, possible. Um, so it's it's just not it's not they're not able to do what they think they're able to do based on their petition. Yeah. Okay. So where can people learn more? Um, is there like on the website? At this point in the conversation, our recording timed out. But if you'd like to learn more about how you can support the Meridian Library District, go to MLD.org. Since we recorded this episode, the Ada County Commissioners announced the public hearing for public comment on the position to dissolve the Meridian Library District. That date has been set as March 20th at 6 p.m. at the Ada County Courthouse at the first floor in the public hearing room. Anybody who's a registered voter can appear and be heard at that session. So if you'd like to support the library district, we encourage you to do so. First of all, reach out to your Ada County commissioners. They are Ryan Davidson, 
Rod Beck and Tom Daly. We encourage everybody to attend the hearing and to share their stories and be willing to speak up and share your appreciation for the library district and how it's benefited your family and the community. So thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. This is the Boise Bubble Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at the Boise Bubble. And for more information about our community, follow at Hello Meridian. See you next time. The Boise Bubble Podcast is sponsored by Volkswagen of Boise. Interested in buying a Volkswagen in the Treasure Valley? Head to www.volkswagenofboise.com to learn more.